Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. And also, we ourselves are horses, and sexy horses at that. Check out all my Gaskins and uh, Fetlocks. Yeah. Anyway, this week we're reviewing Wild Skies, Europa Tempest, a furry game where World War I never really ended and the points don't matter. Now let's take it over to Ryan Stiles for a little game we call System Mastery. You think I should have gone with Colin Mockery? I don't, I don't think it actually matters. No? Yeah, no. I mean, because which one of them is objectively funnier? Uh, I mean, I, I think I think I'm going to go with Styles on this one. That's probably actually fairly contentious. Cont- yeah, that's probably a contentious point indeed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, funnier between Ryan Styles and Colin Mockery, that, that's tough. Oh, yeah. That's that's getting into the uh, the real danger zone of opinions there. Now, if anyone shows up and is like, it's Greg Proops, then you can... <laughs> You could slap them across the face. Safely dismiss their opinion, right? (laughs) Sir, we will have none of that here. So uh, anyway, welcome to System Mastery. I'm Jeff. That's John. You know how the show works. Yeah, I mean, unless this is your first one, and that's weird. In which case, welcome to System Mastery, a podcast where we discuss who's funnier between Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery. Every single time. Every single week for about an hour, John Colin Mockery. (laughs) Hey, Ryan Stiles. Damn it. Hey. (laughs) Fuck you, buddy. I was hoping that today would be the day we could set aside our differences. Is today the day? Do I reach across this aisle? <laughs> Nay, sir. Unless it is ye who reaches across. <laughs> Nay. I'm going to reach across this aisle and slap the taste out your mouth. That can't be. That is against the charters of uh, of affiliation on this whole show, John, because I did not say Greg Proops. <laughs> it's true. True facts. There's one thing we can both come together and agree on. It's that Greg Proops belongs in The Phantom Menace, the Star Wars episode where he plays one of the uh, two heads of that two-headed announcer, and nowhere else. (laughs) Nowhere else. You (laughs) stay in your lane, and that lane is a pod race. You can be a pod race announcer, and you know what? I'm going to say you can be one of the guest judges on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR as well. That feels that feels about your speed, Greg Proops. Uh, you could be a guest judge on one of those celebrity cooking shows. <laughs> you can be the bottom left square if they ever restart Celebrity Squares or whatever it was called. Celebrity Squares. Oh, I'm sorry. I was mixing it up with my favorite breakfast cereal, Celebrity Squares. Hey, I got a nice big fat bowl of Celebrity Squares. Can kids see what makes Celebrity Squares so delicious? Why, it's Jill St. John. <laughs> The cereal's pretty old. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Wild Skies Europa Tempest. <laughs> this is a game that's set in the 1930s uh, in an alternate history version of the U.S. Uh, no, where, sorry, the U.S. Europe. I'm sorry. Not, I, I meant to say the world and I said the U.S. Like the ugly American I am. God, it, it is shameful to be next to you right now. <laughs> America, try and stop us. <laughs> yeah, honestly, America's like barely a footnote in this game Uh, it's true we're kind of turning into even in the real world we're kind of slowly turning into portugal but but what are you gonna do right um so in this game it's all set over europe uh and uh everyone's a furry yeah 
uh, tons of different animals that you can be. Yeah. Uh, there are some slight associations with various uh, species to certain areas, like Germans are generally associated with, like, boars. Yes, and more German soldiers are, like, they, there's a plurality of boars in the German armies. Yeah, and the same thing with, like, oh, you know, you generally associate bears with Russia. Yeah. But that's not, like, oh, yeah, if you are a bear, you are from Russia. It, it doesn't have a one-to-one species translation to your mm-hmm. nationality. One thing I should note here is that the book does not mention the term furry. That's us just shortening anthro- anthropomorphic animal. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they, they do the term anthropomorphic once, and then they just call them animals for the rest of the book. Yeah. So whether or not this is actually an established part of furry canonicity or whatever, I have no idea. Yeah, it's part of the furry the, the legends. Furry, the furry legends. <laughs> <laughs> the furry legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Oh, man. Do you know how many people want a furry legend of Zelda? I'm sure it's a lot. I'm sure probably it's... at least twenty. <laughs> that like like is eaten way more than shields in that version. I'll tell you that much. Hey, hey, sex jokes. Anyway, uh... <laughs> it's what you come here for. <laughs> it's what you come here for. Cutting commentary on whose line is it anyway, and the sex jokes. And the sex jokes. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, so that's us saying furry here, and we're just going to keep saying it. and I don't care. Yeah, yeah, why not? So there are about 40 different types of animal groups you can play as. They all have different little bonuses. I mean, last time we reviewed a furry game, our number one complaint was that it wasn't furry enough. Oh, yeah. Well, the problem was it was just a unchanged history of, like, the age of piracy. And then occasionally they would just go, oh, yeah, and by the way, this guy is a wolf. I don't care. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, King Henry VIII, of course, is famously a goat. Anyway, as we move along into anyway. Ceylon, and the, the Saipan cinnamon industry is, yeah, is very mean, interesting. The nice thing about this is it not only does an alternate history to uh, World War One because we discover the ability to make like lighter-than-air metal, mm-hmm. so we can make like lots better and more flying craft so instead of just Zeppelins, which exist, you also have uh, much better like airplanes and flying fortresses and stuff like that. And that affected the outcome a lot mm-hmm. as well. And so it changes that. But then you also have a lot of stuff in the history of this game that is affected by the animals themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird mix of, of affected and not affected. Like, I mean... It- a lot of it's just, oh, random populations are, are, are predominantly one species, and we never really talk about why or if that has any effect. Oh, all the royalty of Luxembourg, and in fact, the majority of its people are lizards. Does that do anything? Does that inform their politics in any way? Oh, no. No, don't worry about it. But at the same time, there's these things called the Warrens. Oh, yeah, and the Warrens are, like, pretty much a stand-in for little city-states that exist. Uh, yeah, I kind of pictured them as sort of the Roma movement, but they are a little bit more on the permanent side than that. Yeah, you just have... There's three big ones. Yeah. And it's uh, pretty much just groups of rabbits that got together and, like, dug out giant cities for themselves, well, but it's r- not only rabbits, which yeah. is nice. No, they let other people in, but the reason the Warrens grow the way they do is expressly indicated to be because of rabbit fecundity. <laughs> You see, rabbits be constantly fucking and getting a bone on, and it generates a lot more rabbits. So we know that the one thing about rabbits that remains, like, even that affects their, their place in the world is that they are constantly having way too many children. Yeah. 
So, uh, so, but that doesn't happen often. Like there are other super fecund species, like you know rats and so on, that are present throughout the world that don't have big, crazy, nasty city states that they build for themselves. Yeah, it's it's very weird because yeah. they also seem to be almost like barbarians. For at least one of the tribes is very like uh, f- almost feral in the way that they are presented. Where it's like, oh yeah, we just dropped like old Celts or Picts or something into a world that had World War One, but they're rabbits now. Yeah, don't worry about it. And they run around with battle axes and they they wear kilts and they and they they say stuff about our freedom. Yeah, I mean, except they're in like Germany. Yeah, they say ah, our freedom. I don't know what that accent. <laughs> wow, was. I'm never doing an accent again. <laughs> Good John, Lord. I, John, I need to talk to you. I have a problem. <laughs> you really do. I have a, I have a problem, John. I keep trying to do accents and I can't. <laughs> It's a goddamn can we, shame. Can we sit down and talk about it? I'm having an intervention. All of your <laughs> friends just, are here. Oh, it's, it's me. Just you. <laughs> Crap. Uh, I chased the rest of them off with terrible accents. <laughs> you did. Oh, no. They've left so many letters about how my <laughs> accents have hurt them. Ock me letters. <laughs> that was a pretty good Jamaican accent, John. <laughs> I was trying to do Swedish. Do you, have the, do you have the same accent coach I do, which is nobody ever? <laughs> which, is, which is nobody and, and my you're tongue, bad? And my tongue doesn't work? <laughs> I'm a big dumb idiot and I can't do things? Yeah, that's my coach. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I choose to, I, I think I might need help. I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> willingly go to a, a center or a rehab uh. facility and learn accents. Uh, so there are, there's a lot of different types of furries. For the most part, it just sort of doesn't matter. Although it does lead to a lot of questions about how these folks get along as an active society when you've got like, you know, one foot tall little dudes hanging around with like 15 foot tall elephant dudes like toilets are are, are bound to be an issue that <laughs> just never comes up. They just don't worry. It's just like, don't worry about I it. I mean, thankfully, it doesn't get that disparate in the sizes like the it's, smallest two is, foot to 10 foot, I think, is it. Uh. Yeah, I think around generally it was more like three to nine, but yeah, it's it's in that range. Yeah. So, but still, that's that's a big difference. You're talking. I mean, if you're a big elephant, then you're going to need a big cereal bowl to shit in, and and that's what they shit in, John. Cereal I, bowls. I, I don't know if you knew that. That's culturally, that's, that's culturally, yes. and a species thing that elephants need to shit directly into cereal bowls half full of corn pops. Yeah. Now, don't you dare give them a soup bowl. That's the, that's the wrong kind of bowl. <laughs> That's what you do if you want elephants to have diarrhea. John, do you want elephants to have diarrhea? Yes, of course. That's my fetish. Ah. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, um, they do actually a pretty good job here in this book of addressing the cultural uh, differences that, that will arise in a world where everyone's an anthropomorphic animal of a different variety. Uh, they mention, for example, how uh, how breeding works. Not, you know, not the actual boning down, which apparently is pretty normal, but like... They say, hey, uh, there are three options for how babies is born. Yeah, you can either just have it be, you know, one of them. So you're like, okay, it's these two, like a tiger and a cat, or, well, that's not really Yeah, a good. tiger and a cat, yeah, Ti- that's about right. Ti- tiger, yeah. tiger and a rat get, okay. get their bone on, uh-huh. and it's either going to be a tiger or a rat when it yeah. comes out. Or it's, they fall, they, they hew to the gender lines of their parents, so if it's a tiger and a rat, then the boys are tigers, if the boy's a tiger... And the girls are rats if the girls are rat, and so on, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the third one is they are one or the other, but also occasionally they pick up like one characteristic from the other species. Yeah. So you'll have like a rat kid that's got like claws. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, rats normally do, of course, have claws. Yeah, but like tiger claws. There you go. Okay. So, um, 
Wait, they have like the 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 holiday seasonal tiger that visits. No, they everyone? have bear claws. Oh. They walk around with a big old box of bear claws. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what tigers do in this world. The tigers walk around with bear claws. Well documented. Just say, they're always offering them to elephants, and elephants are like, "Oh no, I'm going to have to hit the cereal bowl." <laughs> I think we've we've got this world pretty much on lock. Man, we uh, we're so good at world building. Yeah. Now, uh, also present here is that there are every kind of animal, but not furry, and everyone just eats them, and there's no affiliation between them, the, the yeah. animals and the it, their it furry. It calls versions. out that like a pig furry can eat bacon, and, and, and no one sees anything weird about it. Yeah, no one's like, ew. So, Which is, I mean, it's weird because I would need a little tiny, non-intelligent human. Like, yeah, if, if you're there was like a little one. baby version of humans that were running around, but they weren't sapient, and they're yeah. like, "Look, these guys are delicious. You should eat them." I'd be like, "I'm probably okay." I'd be like, "John, John, John, would you like to eat this baked Vern Troyer I made?" And you'd be like, "Oh, but he's sapient." And I'd be like, "Yeah, John, but he's made terrible life decisions. <laughs> also, he's delicious. <laughs> he's super good." So, what do you say? You want a slice of baked Vern Troyer? Fine. Yeah, but it's weird, though, right? <laughs> I mean, this is super weird. Real good, but very weird. Like, if you're a chicken and someone offers you an egg, are you like, that looks like my baby's babies? Babies. Ba- babies. <laughs> that, that looks like my baby's babies. Babies. <laughs> this is, of course, if you were to offer a chicken egg to an intelligent chicken who calls everyone babies. Yeah. That's, okay. That's the scenario that we're setting up here. How long can we go before we mention any of the rules in this thing? I don't know. Probably a while. <laughs> It's true. All right. So uh, it's mostly, it's a point by system. Yep. Uh, Character stats, there are like three core stats and three secondary stats, and it's pretty basic. The the, the core stats are brawn, strength, and fleetness. Uh, Those, I'm sorry, those are the, those are three of the substats underneath the physical category. I've got this all backwards. Yeah, Uh, man. Yeah. Because you've got strength. Strength and fleetness are subcategories of brawn. Yeah. There you go. Strength and fleetness are your... Uh, subs and each one has it's weird because the subcategories are mostly just going to inform certain skills but so do the larger like overarching categories the fact that they break them down into like here's my in like smarts and then it breaks that down into like moxie and uh what was the other one it was moxie and Grit oh, uh, or it's, something. It's, it's uh, cheer wine. Yeah, mo- moxie and cheer wine. Thank you. Uh huh. Yeah, that's helpful, right? No, okay. Uh, smarts breaks down into know how and moxie. Know how and moxie. Guts that's breaks right. down into valor and grit. Yeah, grit's under that. Okay. Okay. There you go. But grit, grit ends up being really important. It's like mostly it's hitting people. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's depending on what you're using, whether it's like ranged or melee, you're gonna want to go into one of those. Yeah. But it's strange that they broke it out. To be like, here are their three top categories, because they don't do anything specifically better than the bottom ones, outside of, like, if you don't have a skill, maybe you can try and use something. Yeah, the other weird thing is that they aren't built out of relation to each other. So, for example, when you're starting to build your character, you get ten points to divide up amongst your three primary categories, your your, uh, brawn, uh, was it, smarts and guts. Yeah. Uh, and then you get 18 points to divide up among the secondary categories. Yeah, which means I could go ahead and be like, oh, my my brawn is like a, a six, and it's super great for my starting category. And then I just didn't put any points in a strength or fleetness, and it's very weird. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's separated. But it's not like it's the end of the world. I mean, most players aren't going to do that. And if they do, I'm sure they have some sort of weird reason. Yeah, it's it's just odd to have substats that aren't, 
in any way informed by or influenced by the uh, the main stat that they come from. It's true, but it wouldn't be the first time. No. Uh, I mean, they have a relation to it in the sense that, that they are, like obviously linked to it like like strength is a function of 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 brawn of brawn but uh i guess it's really up to the player to make sure that that bears out in terms of the rule like in terms of their individual character yeah sir uh now also once you've picked all of that nonsense then you have to go forth and pick yourself an animal category yeah there are 40 of these that's as many as four tens (laughs) that's terrible Uh uh-huh thank you uh so the the big thing with picking an animal, and it's also going to influence what your size category is, is that your stats cannot go above 10. Uh-huh. Unless you specifically get what is called an uncapped attribute, mm-hmm. and that uh, you get one of those from whatever animal you are. So, you know, maybe your strength is uncapped because you're a rhino or something. Yeah. So, for example, a dog. If you wish to play as a doge, then you will have a starting size of normal. You'll get bonuses to certain attributes in terms of a dog, it's guts, fleetness, and know-how. And your uncapped attribute is guts. Yeah. So a a dog can get as high of guts as they want. They can have so many guts. They can be like... like, Big old guts. They can have like so many... Rip and tear. They can can have so many spleens. They can have a liver in every color. (laughs) Yeah, so... More guts means more human. Dog. (laughs) More human dog. More human dog. <laughs> More human poop dog. <laughs> Babies. <laughs> All uh, right. Uh, so, yeah. So, if you want your character to have something that's particularly high in an attribute, then uh, you're probably going to want to look at that as far as what your actual animal is. Mm-hmm. You uh, also get a starting ability. That's the ability that every, every uh, species or animal category gets for free. Uh, it's basically just a little set of bonuses, uh, and they're all basically animal abilities. Yeah. So for, once again, with the dog, if you if you play a dog, you automatically get the starting ability of teeth for free. You have teeth. Now, most star- most animals, as we understand in nature, do not have teeth. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Everyone's just gumming things left and right. Yeah. Weirdly, in this universe, everyone's either got gums or they have, like, squid-style beaks. Oh, they uh, got them them goose teeth. <laughs> get them goose tongue teeth, which don't, don't count as teeth and are horrifying. <laughs> They're just horrible monstrosities. Elephants just have radulas, which is the gross serrated tongue thing that snails have. Ooh. Honestly, the art in this book is messed up. <laughs> I, no, I'm kidding. Teeth just means they have sharp teeth and they can bite through stuff. Like, yeah. left unattended, eventually a dog can chew through an iron bar in this game. Yeah. Uh, and it also gives them a bite attack, I'm pretty sure. Uh, they have a unique ability that only dogs have access to, but that they do not universally start with. You have to select the unique ability with one of your uh, your free animal ability selections at the start of the game, of yeah. which you get three. Every single uh, animal category mm-hmm. has their own unique ability. So, uh, you know, for dogs, Do- it's barking. It's bark. And bark specifically is an ability that annoys everyone around you, including your allies, and gives them penalties to do things. Yeah, but if you want to be like, Oh, I want to make sure that, you know, uh, I can f- screw up someone who's, like, trying to make a bomb to throw at me or whatever. You can just start barking at him. Yeah, or I guess you could just shoot him or something. Give that Bark takes an action. I-, I wasn't a huge fan of Bark. I'll go ahead and say that now. No, I I don't hate a lot of the stuff in this game, but there is definitely uh, a level of usefulness for some of the abilities well, where mean- you're like, man... This is this is not great. I mean, ultimately, there are 40 unique animal categories, which means that there are 40 unique powers for animals to have, and that's a really hard space to keep balanced. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, you're going to run up against certain things. And, of course, for some animals, if they've got 
because they'll have the one they start with, mm-hmm. and then you get to pick a few more. Uh, the ones you also get, you'll have a list of other ones you can pick from for that species. And you might be thinking like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll make the unique slightly less amazing because their other powers are really good that they have a selection of. Mm-hmm. Or maybe their unique power is super great, so I'll make it so that the other ones they have aren't that good. But honestly, for 40 different categories, it's very difficult to get to a point where everyone's balanced. Exactly. I don't think they really tried to do that. I think they were just like, well, what does it make sense that an individual animal would have? And then they went from there. Because you get your starting ability, which isn't a unique ability. It's just what the one that your race always has for free. Yeah, a ton of, a ton of different animals have teeth or claws or yeah. whatever as they're starting. And they're about. And then you get your unique ability as an option. And then the last thing that's on the on an animal's uh, selection list is a little list of the uh, non-unique abilities that you can choose from if you want to on that animal. So for a dog, for example, you start with teeth. You have access to bark. You also have access to chew, hide, plumage, weirdly, and uh, and sharp eyes. Yeah. Now, here's the thing that, that weirds me out about that. Uh, smell's not there. No. And this is dogs. Well, there are two different dog categories. There's, dog, there's and dog and wolves. wolf. And, and wolf, notably, is anytime you encounter a wolf in the book, in the NPCs, it's actually some big dog. Well, yeah, because that's the, the two categories. Instead of being dogs and wolves, it's actually small dogs and big dogs yeah, is basically yeah. what it is. But even then, small dogs should have killer senses of smell, too. Yeah. I mean, that's just dogs. Oh, I know. And, and, but, and ultimately, and that's a non-unique ability, the problem comes in when there are unique abilities in this book that really feel like I've seen other animals do that. Ah. Like, notably, rhino is a category, and it includes things like rhinos and hippos and uh, I think, like, musk ox, weirdly, because they have a rough... But there are a few different things that are covered under the rhino package. But the rhino unique ability is charge. Yeah. And it's like, I have seen elephants charge. <laughs> Elephants definitely charge. I've seen badgers charge. (laughs) Yeah. Animals charge all the time. It's just an aggressive rush towards something. Yeah, look, animals are in really severe debt right now. They're just (laughs) always charging. (laughs) John, this is set in 1933. No one has credit cards. Everyone has credit cards. It's an alternate (laughs) history. Fuck you. You don't know. (laughs) It's true. I guess I don't. Uh, So, uh... It's uh, I'm sorry, rhinoceros doesn't include anything interesting other than rhinoceros. It just comes in your choice of white, black, or Indian. Ooh. That's racist. Uh... (laughs) So, um, so yeah, there's about 40 different animal categories. The, there are a couple notable omissions. Uh, no, no sea mammals that are purely sea. You can play as a sea otter, for example, because they are technically amphibious. Uh, but no, no. Uh, sadly, John can't make a manatee for the bonus content. No, I cannot make me as a furry, which is a manatee. Yeah. They, they are friendly and slow moving. They like to eat and rest. <laughs> That's that's John's official take on what he would be if he was an animal. If I if I were a furry, I would one hundred percent just be a manatee. <laughs> I wouldn't even need I'm to make even... a furry costume. I'd just be like, hey guys, I'm a manatee. I'm wearing gray today. <laughs> oh man, you like the ocean going Eeyore. Yeah. <laughs> hey everybody. I didn't go to my own birthday party. <laughs> I ate forty five pounds of lettuce instead. <laughs> lettuce. <laughs> Hey, is that a boat? I should say hi. Hello. Oh, God! Oh, no, my back is all scarred. Oh, my species is sad. (laughs) Oh, my my species is too friendly to live. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the other big category that I noticed when I was reading through is large flightless birds are missing. Yeah, Uh, they've got a bunch of different bird categories but they yeah. don't put flightless in yeah so you've got like there's a whole category for chickens another one for game hens you've got gulls raptors owls is separate from raptors yeah there's a huge 
variety of bird types you can be. Yeah, but not large flightless, so you can't play as cassowaries, emus, ostriches, or penguins. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, that seems like an obvious one to, to put in there. People love penguins. They're fucking <laughs> they crazy, for those, crazy for those fucking things. Well, I'm oh. sure that's in a source book for a place that's colder than, you know, like France. <laughs> that's, oh, maybe that's true. Maybe we just got to wait for the source book. Even though this book does have polar bears, muskox, anything else cool, Arctic fox, anything else cool you'd find in a cold environment, just not penguins. Nah. No, nah, no penguins. Or, or seals and sea lions, because those are also technically amphibious. Yeah, but nah. <laughs> yeah. Which, no, wait, it does. It does have sea lion. Oh, it does? Yeah, so sea huh. lion's in there, too. Like I was saying, if it can come out of the water, you could play as a furry version of it. But no whales, porpoises, none of, no, no stellar sea cows. Indeed not. Yeah. So anyway, uh, once you've chosen those things, you, you now have one of your uncapped attributes, and you get to choose three of those those animal abilities. You can also choose to spend those animal abilities on making your character larger or smaller. There are four size categories. Uh, tiny, normal, large, and huge. Yep, and you start at one of those depending on what your species is. Yeah, like if you're a hummingbird, you start at tiny. And you can move up or down one category during character creation for free. Yeah. So if you're an elephant who start at huge, you can be like, I would rather be large. Yeah, and then if you want to spend one of your starting animal attributes... You can go one step further. Yeah, and that's so you, it caps there, though. Yeah, you're like, okay, I can be a normal-sized elephant, or I can be a very large mouse. <laughs> yeah, you can get as far as large with a mouse, which yeah. large is like seven feet tall. Yeah, you're a seven-foot-tall mouse, and you're a mouse bouncer now, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bounce mice professionally. You're a mouser. <laughs> yes, you're a mouser. You hate them Ninja Turtles because you were programmed to. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> And, and of course, Ninja Turtles probably exist, because why not? Yeah, I mean, there's turtle rules. There's a turtle NPC yeah, who turtle I found. turtle do rules. Yeah. <laughs> turtles rule. I forgot about that. They're both turtles rule, and there are turtle rules. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a turtle NPC in here. Uh, her name's like Patricia or something, and she's a chef who kills. <laughs> Everyone is someone who kills. Yeah. The, it's war. War is hell. I, the comic book in this, you never, you never read it, I believe. No. Nah. But it is very old school Eastman and Laird style where everyone in the main t- team, there's some group that's on their own airship. They're called the Farmsteaders. And there's like 11 of them. And they basically are a bunch of mercenaries living on an airship who are cheerfully sailing over like Austria or something when they are boarded by Russian bears. Yeah. Who they murder like gleefully while while just sort of talking to each other. Yeah. They're just sort of like, ah, yes, it's a perfect day for a killing, they say, as they blast a hole through the head of a of a Russian. Everyone's just smiling and happy and cheerful. It's very old school Ninja Turtle comics. However, it is also very indicative of what you would find during an RPG session. It's true. Where I've, someone's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna do a sweet slide, and then I'm gonna cut this guy's head off and I'm gonna make a cool quip. I'm like, man. Y'all got no empathy. You no, are no. just murdering people so happily. They are deeply psychotic in that in that uh, little thing where it's like, oh, everyone's gleefully killing these little bears. And let's be clear here. The artist that they hired for this book can only draw bears as teddy bears. <laughs> they have no ability to draw a scary bear. No. So it's all these like cute, friendly, like... <laughs> the Care Bears board yeah. the ship and are summarily executed. Yeah, just one by one, just giant gunks, chunk, gunky chunks of them are ripped out. <laughs> yeah, gunky chunks, what, the name of one of the bears. <laughs> da, I am uh, gunky chunks. I am gunky chunks. I am here to be a bear. Oh, God. <laughs> Thrown off the side of the airplane just with abandon. It's I just... regret nothing! <laughs> Except for that I am landing in Austria. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I will try to hit someone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the 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 tone that the comic sets is like, wow, everyone's cheerful all the time and just gleefully and glibly murdering anything they come across. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it is very much like an actual player character party. 
Uh, the uh, the actual rules for how you do things in this are mildly ridiculous. Uh, I would say, what we want to say, like fifteen percent more complex than is required. Yeah, like, it's it's not it's not terrible. It's understandable, but it's more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, there the whole thing is percentile based. Mm-hmm. Uh, oddly enough, the difficulty for things is based on what the skill is rather than what you're attempting. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how hard, say, uh, a role would be for, like, surgery. If you have the surgery skill, like, oh, someone's super fucked up and their spine is broken, or someone's just got, like, a, uh, a like tear in their side and you're trying to stitch them up. It's both surgery and it's both hard. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, now... Weirdly, it's percentile. You roll percentile. Like, let's say you had no skill ranks and no dice or whatever, modifications of any kind. You roll against a percentile chart that goes either medium, easy, or hard. And that means that the uh, the, the percentile set, the, the 1 through 100, is divided into four surprisingly e- even ranges. Like, the odds of, even on an easy roll, the odds of a, cri- a critical failure are only like 5% less than the, o- the odds of a regular failure. And they add up to like 50% in total. Yeah, it's if you roll a 1 to 20, you crit fail. If you roll 21 to 50, you regular fail. Uh-huh. And it's it's real weird to me that even the easy roll is a 50% failure. Now, the reason that is is because you do modify that. Yeah, you, this game has a lot of pre- and post-die roll modifications. So I- any given roll that you do can often take a little while after you roll it evaluate it, decide what you want to do about that, then do things to it, then the DM does things to it, then you get a second chance to do things to it. Oh, yeah. Well, there's... Each skill has a stat that can modify it, Mm -hmm. and the thing with this game is you can modify up or down Yeah. because let's say I uh, really want the the crit success roll. Mm -hmm. The rules are if I go over 100... I no longer have the crit success, I just have a regular success. Which is weird. It really should be you have nothing. But, I mean, ultimately that's because, okay, the success range in that, say that easy roll, the success range is like 51 through 75, and then that last chunk is, or actually 51 through 80, and that last chance of 81 through 100 is a crit success. Yeah, so if I roll and I get, say, you know, like a 73 or something, and I've got a seven in my stat i can go ahead and say great i'll add seven to it and then like i'm on that cusp of getting to the crit success now if i have any skill points in something Mm -hmm. i can then roll that many points as dice and that as well the whole game's d6s so you're rolling let's say that you were uh you're doing some particularly complicated driving and the the driver or the uh the DM says to you, all right, well, driving's an easy skill, so you have to make an easy difficulty roll to make your way through these pylons. So you roll, and like John says, you get a, a 73, but you want that 81 so you can get to that critical success. So you look at your driving-related skill. Now, this is going to be two potential things. If you just have a skill in driving, then it's going to be probably your smarts. But if you if you are driving a vehicle in which you have a specialty skill, then it might move over to one of your two uh, the sub-skill, uh, categories of attribute that are underneath your smarts. At which point you're like, well, I'm doing some complicated blimp driving. That means i got to use my blimp piloting special ability, which uses know-how. So now I'm using know-how instead. Yeah, the, the way skills work in this are so weird because 
there are like the high level skills. So mm. you have something like melee yeah. as just a blanket skill. But then under melee, you have a ton of sub skills for like club and axe and sword and so on. Mm-hmm. And each one is the exact same as far as like, oh, I have a skill in it. If I have skill in melee, I can just use a club or an axe and use melee for it. Yeah. But if I have the sub skill, I can use that. It might change the stat, but what it really does is change the crit table. Yeah. Because that's the big thing that you're doing with most of them is, oh, with this, if I'm using melee, I have a crit success and a crit fail table, and this is what they are, and they're very generic. But if I want something to do a specific effect, like let's say... I want to knock someone down in the initiative order. Mm-hmm. I would be using clubs for that because it's really good at sort of knocking the sense out of people and making them go lower in initiative. Yeah. So, And if you want to damage their armor permanently, then you want to use an axe because it adds damage to the attack and also damages their armor. Yeah, so uh, there's there's a reason to use different skills, but you only get that bonus if you're using that skill. So if I have an axe and I just use melee, I don't get the armor damaging. No, you still get a crit bonus, but it's just like plus one damage. It's a very generic thing. The one where that turns out to be sad is when the... There's a few categories, especially in the melee section, where the crit bonus for the special skill is the same as the crit bonus for just melee. Notably sword. Yeah. If you want to be a sword guy, you're like, sweet, I'm going to buy into sword so I can have that crit, that sweet crit success. What is it? Plus one damage. Well, what is it if I don't take sword? Plus one damage. Aww. Uh, oh. Whoops. I don't know if those are... I don't think they stack. Uh, so, so anyway... Yeah, no, you just pick something to roll before you roll. Uh-huh. So, uh, so that... So skills are fairly interesting. Uh, they're, they're a little overcomplicated, and they take a long time to describe. So, for example, if you want to take, like, art, then you... you art has a crit success where it moves the person who it, who sees it, where he's... It, 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 uh, <laughs> Yeah, I just, the, all the art sub-skills are so silly. Cause, They're copy-pasted, first of all. Yeah, because it's all just like, oh, art, crit success, someone is moved by what you do. Sculpture, crit success, someone is moved by the sculpture you do. By what you sculpt. Painting, someone is moved by what you paint. Uh, and then the same thing for crit failure. But it means that art, the art sub-skill series takes up about three pages of the book of just copy-pasted stuff. It's uh, It's... The problem is that since every skill ends up being like six paragraphs long, it is a hard section to read through and actually pay attention to, given the length of things, the obviousness of how everything works, and also the sheer amount of copy-pasting. I was actually just looking up the sword thing to see what the real difference was. Oh, by all means, please do tell. Uh, the only real thing is it changes the skill roll from being moderate to easy. Uh-huh. So your your range gets better if okay. you use that. I wasn't wrong about the crit success table, No, it's still I? just plus one damage. Uh-huh. You yeah. don't get anything for critting. It's yeah. just easier to hit. I didn't you know say it. anything about whether or not it changed your difficulty ranges, so technically I'm not wrong. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. I was just like, yeah, that's what, what it actually does. Left me, he left me ha- li- listen, folks, he left me hanging for a minute, gabbling on about art skills, which who gives a fuck about <laughs> <laughs> just so he could go in and see if I was wrong so he could lord that over me. Yeah. Well, in obviously. a book I read during a week where I had a baby shower that I had to do. Eh. What a jerk. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> this is so unlike the humble manatee that I know you the to be. The humble manatee. <laughs> Truly God's friendliest creature who will also 100% tell you whether or not you are right or wrong. <laughs> Dr. Dugong! <laughs> My gentle cuddlefish! Your powers unlocked of truth and love. <laughs> uh, uh, Alright, so... 
<laughs> anyway, uh, there are a few things we didn't talk about in character creation that we should finish up with. First of all, the game has perks and quirks. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, weaknesses and strengths. Yeah. Uh, the merits perks, and flaws. The perks and quirks system in this is weird. You get an automatic perk, uh, and then that's it. If you want to get quirks to get more perks, you can do that. Mm-hmm. The perks, however, are so varied in how well they That's are done super for true. you. Yeah. Like sometimes you're like, oh, I have this perk and it means I get like bonus dice whenever I do this type of action. You're like, all right, that's neat. Yeah. But some are just, oh, you seem really nice and people like to talk to you. You're like, is there a mechanical benefit to that? Oh no. I mean that happens in so many places throughout the course of this book. Like we were talking about earlier with the uh the animal unique abilities. Yeah. One of them is pigs, which have the ability of pack it in, which is that they can eat more than everyone else. And it has no mechanical benefits. It's oh, just a mechanical you, benefit is you, you can, can evade- go longer before dying of starvation. Oh, that's true. It does say that you can go longer without dying of starvation, but then it's got all these mechanical structures to it where it's like a pig can eat four times as much as a normal person uh, unless they are sick, in which case they can eat twice as much as a normal person, three times as much if they're desperate. And it's like, what is all this? Is there a rule in here for how much a normal person can eat? No, of course not. <laughs> what are we doing? Why do we have a multiplication table that has no starting num- values? Also, I would like to say... <laughs> There is no such thing as a normal person because everyone is a different animal. Humans are not a baseline here to go off of. They are, however, a sidebar. Yeah, there is a, did you want humans in your game? That's dumb. This is a furry game. Stop it. (laughs) It stops to make fun of you for wanting to play as a human in your furry game. They're like, yeah, I guess you could, I don't know, make your own little human version of one of these animal templates, but... That's dumb, and you're dumb. This is a furry game. Play something. You else. don't get any powers or nothing. Well, this <laughs> you're, book, you're Krillin. What this book? <laughs> nice. What this book doesn't address is when you've been a furry long enough that regular furries just don't get your dick hard anymore, <laughs> and you need to be like, well, uh, my character's a centaur dolphin with rainbow fur and four dicks. Well, what's, good. what's my What's my situation in that? In that? <laughs> oh, your situation is all fucked up. Is what your situation is? Can I? Uh, can I play? Can I bring my Hookshunt Dracones character into this? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> that's um it doesn't address that either so uh so clearly we're also waiting for the source book for when uh furry just isn't doing it for you anymore yeah uh and also the one for when furries never did it for you and you want to play a human <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh my left half is dolphin and my right half is stellar sea iguana <laughs> a species i just made up good yeah the <laughs> The perks and quirks are weird. Yes, there's the some good... The quirks are universally mechanically bad, though, which uh-huh. is the weird thing to me, is there's no point where you can be like... Oh, like class clown or whatever, you don't have that? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's there's no one where it's like, you're kind of stinky, and you're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, granted, if you play as a skunk, you are. Well, that's racist. Or a ferret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ferrets don't smell that bad. Oh, how much time have you spent around ferrets, my friend? I've spent a, a fairly decent amount of time around ferrets, and they're fun and friendly. They and are fun and friendly. You might have been spending your time around ferrets that had their scent glands removed. Nah. They're just <laughs> little climby idiots, and I love them. I love them, too. Big, I, I, stupid I, fur tubes. When I was growing up, one of my high school friends had a ferret, and it was the best. Because the ferret would just, like, do figure eights on your hand when you picked him up. He'd be like, what's up, ferret? And he'd be like, look at me. I, look how much I can bend myself. It's crazy. you got to understand, folks, for us, this is really important. We live in California. Ferrets are illegal here. Yeah. Along with every other kind of cool little mammal. If there's a cool little animal, you can't have it here. You want yeah. a hedgehog? Too bad. Yeah, go fuck yourself. You can't have a hedgehog. This is California, and we care about our rivers or whatever, even though they're already choked with African clawed frogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, we care about, I think, I don't know, birds or some shit. It's probably birds or yeah. 
It's definitely birds. Some kind of bird. Eh. I'm like this ferret's gonna get a bird. And I'm like, this, oh fuck that if, bird. If this bird gets out, if this ferret gets out, it'll eat all the speckled doof rails. <laughs> oh, oh my doof rails. Oh damn it, our doof rails. <laughs> oh, it'll eat all the Andy doof rains. <laughs> It can eat all the Andy Dicks. I don't mind <laughs> can if eat ferrets a bag of Andy Dicks. I don't mind if ferrets eat all the Andy Dicks in California. I don't think anyone does. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. So anyway, you also get to choose two careers. Yeah. So your careers, uh, they give you your starting skills as well as a starting specialty in them. Uh huh. And so, they also can occasionally uncap a second attribute. Yeah. Uh, so you can have two uncapped attributes for if you spend forever playing this game and have a million XP. Yeah, the uh, or whatever it is that the axes system we have to talk about later is. I'm still scratching my head and have no idea what that was. It's very weird. Yeah. So the the uh, God, I'm thinking about the axis system now. And it's, I, it's fucking my head up. Okay, I, I never figured it out. I read it like twice and I was like, eh, pass. Maybe John knows what it is. Yeah. The okay. So the uh, the skills you get from your careers, uh, it will tell you how many points you get in any given skill. Each career has three of the top-level skills that it'll have mm-hmm. that are, like, the skills for that, but you might not get any skill points in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's... Artist is a uh, class you can have. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to play as an artist. Uh-huh. But all three points that you would get to start go into art uh-huh. and nothing else. Yeah. Now, you have access to two other top-level skills that'll at least list the names of with empty little yeah, fields be like next to them. Yeah, like business and knowledge or something yeah. for artists. And there's no dots in them, which is almost like a joke about artists, if you think about it. But <laughs> the other thing is it lists a little list of, of skills you can choose from with uh, your education skill, which is what you get from spending a number of points equal to your know-how in, in dots in various skills yeah, you that can every put, character does. You can put dots into things, so since you already have those skills unlocked you can just put dots into them and it's fine uh-huh uh you get a free specialty for every uh starting skill you have yes and then you get another one if you have a dot in it you get another one for three dots and one for five dots i yep, think that's correct yeah yeah uh you also and now here's the basic rundown of the careers that are in this game is as follows uh, you've got like pirate, sneak thief, man of the cloth, laborer, businessman. Most of them are very boring because this is not a world that has like magic or dedicated, interesting careers. No, and usually they're going to say, you know, pick something that is what your you know standard everyday life career is, and then you're probably also someone that was affected by the war, either by being in it or being adjacent to it. So. You know, you can have something like, oh, I was a farmer, and then I went to war, and I got soldier. Yeah. So you'll have those two careers. Or you could be like, oh, I was, you know, an artist, but then I had to be a field medic. Yeah. So you can have those. Or you could be like, I was a priest, but I had to steal to survive, so I have uh, Man of the Cloth slash Sneak Thief. Yeah. So it, it doesn't it doesn't work terribly. It actually all makes sense. You end up with a reasonably decent skill package and a... Uh, a, a good two careers gives you a lot of room to create a backstory for how your character came to be what they are. Yeah. So there's there's no problem there. Um, so at that point, I guess there's really we're mostly done with how you build a character. Uh, you you have some perks, you have some animal abilities, you have a species, you have your uh, your eight, your nine starting stats. Uh, your health is just equal to twice your brawn. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point, you start picking out weapons and stuff, and you get into the combat system, which is. Uh, 
Well, here's the weird thing about this game is is almost all the time when you're rolling to hit someone or not be hit or whatever, it's one roll, and then you're taking turns modifying the results of that roll. Yeah, so if I have, like, I'm going to attack you with melee, it's moderate difficulty, I roll my percentile dice, and then I can decide how much I want to modify it. Like, I can go, okay, I'm going to use two out of my three dice to modify it, and I'll, like, roll those two and see if it goes up or down. Mm -hmm. And then you can go ahead and try and use your dice that you've got from, like, a dodge skill to then lower it. Yeah, and then you can choose to use your reserved dice after the first roll to try and move it up. And then there's all these, like, secondary mechanics that activate during skill checks to see, like... Fumbling, for example, is a thing in this game. If you crit fail at something, once per game session, per skill you have, you can fumble, which is to re-roll with a slightly lower die pool. Yeah, fumble normally is just another name for a crit fail, but in this, your fumble is you can retry at something. Yeah, and there's other ways to earn retry rolls. There's all kinds of different mechanics that ultimately, I mean... Everything individually feels kind of elegant, but in in practice and all at once, it feels like it's boggy. Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of time that it takes to roll something out, modify, have someone else modify, you remodify, and that's every roll that you're doing. I'm like, this is going to take forever to do a combat. I mean, to its credit, the one good thing is that, like, let's say you wanted to hit a guy, it's all one percentile die roll that everyone's throwing dice and crap at. It's not like you have to do it twice because they have to make a dodge roll. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's to its credit. That's a good thing. But ultimately, there's all these weird little secondary tag-ons where you can do things like, well, I'm fumbling this. I'm restarting the entire roll. Everything start over. Everything we were just doing doesn't count. Clear the field. Whoops, the daisies. Like, oh, that'd be kind of neat if we were having like an interesting negotiation or something. But I'm just trying to hit someone with a club. Yeah. I don't want to go through this 15 times. I mean, the one they, the example they really give is someone who's fumbling their like medicine roll. Yeah. And it's mostly because they're like, I'm trying to fish for a crit success. Uh-huh. Because I really need a crit success in order to do this because this guy's going to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's interesting in theory but i feel like very few times that you end up doing that you'd mostly just be like i'm gonna wait until i crit fail and then i'll fumble that right the other example in this game is the combat section example i don't know if you read that the the they do a a ground combat followed immediately by an aerial combat yeah and man some of the stuff in there kept me from being able to learn any of the rules because they were like a big chicken comes out and he looks like he's a good boxer no one wants to box this chicken (laughs) <laughs> and then all of a sudden a lizard steps out behind you guys. No, that was the part where he was like, "All right, so this is the chicken's initiative." And the players, one of the players is like, "Guys, he rolled four dice. That means there's three people we don't know about." Huh. And I was like, "Wow. At this point you should stop your game and have a have a polite conversation about metagaming with your with your team." Huh. Uh it, but instead he's like, "Oh, you tried to metagame, did you? Don't you try to outgame me. I'll punish you with more dice." Good. I was like, all right, uh, great. I'm glad that's in the example. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the other things I just remembered when you were saying with more dice is the GM has a pool of bonus dice he can hand out. Oh, yeah, that's right. He sure does. It's so like the five, most, five per game or something. Yeah, the most you can roll for anything is five dice. So uh-huh. if I have uh, five skill points in something, then I can roll those five dice, and I can't go above that even if like. There's a situational bonus that, oh, I've been aiming, or mm-hmm. there's really good win conditions for whatever I'm doing, and I'd get bonus dice. You can the most use, you can do is five. Yeah. You can, if you have seven dice and an ability for whatever reason, you can make use of all seven, but it's just like, all right, I, I have a five in shooting, guys, and it's really foggy out, so I'm losing two dice, so I would be at three, but I have 
I have uh, two extra dice because I'm usually at five or because I'm at seven, so I can put them back in to override that penalty. Yeah, I mean, if you've got more than five, then any penalties you can do will take from the top until you would hit five. Exactly. So, so, uh, but the uh, DM notably his stunt bonus dice you can hand out a few times each session can override the five limit. Yeah, so you can roll like six or seven dice if you just got describe something super cool and he wants to give you some of those dice. Yeah. Well, here's so I don't know if we really thoroughly explained how we talked about how negative you you can use your skill dice as negatives to push you back down into a uh, a a crit success if you've exceeded 100 or you can roll them to lower your enemy's dice to try and move them away from a hit and into a failure yep um can you do both with with one handful of dice or do they have to individually be all all hits or all misses well anytime you roll you state beforehand Mm -hmm. Uh, this is for adding or subtracting. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So it has so, to be. In, it has to be in blocks. Yeah. I mean, which is at least one thing because your your stats that you can have for something are separate. So you can be like, all right, I'm going to roll and try and go above, mm-hmm. and then if you roll too high and go over a hundred, you can be like, all right, now I'll add my stat and subtract it and go down. Yeah. So there are a few things here that are worthy of note. Um. One one is that this is very complicated to, in, in practice because when you roll to hit someone, you're looking at all right. I'm going to roll to hit you. Uh, I add brawn to this because it's rolling to punch someone, so I'm I'm adding the four that is my brawn to the percentage total. Also, I've got five dice. I have to roll five d six, evaluate each one of them, and then add and add that together and add that to my number. Yes, it would be a lot simpler if dots were three percent instead of a d six percent. Yeah, I mean it just it's bogging down every single roll you do yes and then since you, your opponent's response to that is i'll dodge your brawl brawl hit i'll roll 4d6 ah i've rolled a 12 i will subtract 12 that kind of and it's just that's going to be happening constantly i mean it's not the worst it just feels like it's unnecessarily complicated yeah um and i mean i know that the whole like holding dice in reserve is mostly to try and fuck around with the whole be within a range for crit success mm-hmm but I feel the scenario where someone has screwed you over enough to get to, like, oh, I pushed you above 100% and now you had to have saved dice. Because the person dodging could be like, oh, you went and you've got like a 98. Well, I'm going to dodge and add my dice to your thing so you go above 100. I guess I'm leaning into the punch so that your punch isn't particularly good. I don't know. Yeah, it's, oh, if I leaned back, then you would have hit me full force but if i walk into it then you'll only hit me with medium force yeah like okay so now i I had to have had some in reserve to lower afterwards it feels like it's such a corner case but it spends a lot of time doing that something i kind of liked in this is that there are abilities the individual abilities called walk it off and tough it out there are responses you can have in combat if you if you tough it out then when someone punches you you just take the punch but you take one less damage from it overall. Yeah. Because uh, you're just setting up to take it. You're tensing your stomach or lifting an arm or whatever it is. Walk it off is anytime you take damage, you can choose for your next action to walk it off, which is just, I'm not doing anything this round. I'm just going to shake loose from whatever I just got hit by. And it just removes one damage yep. from whatever your damage was. Uh, and, and I like that, I mean, given that this game, the only other kind of healing it's going to have is actual doctors. Yeah. Uh, it's nice that they gave you an in-combat healing mechanic that could at least keep you in the fight a little longer. Yeah, I mean, you get... Some decent options of things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, also, this game's got a whole complicated system of flight mechanics. Yes, it does. Of course it does. Yeah, because you can fly, spend your time flying around in very clearly World War II-inspired uh, airplanes, even though it's 1933. Yep. 
Uh, which, you know, certain interesting airplanes did exist in the 1930s, but I'm, I'm not going to get into a big de- detail about this. It's just that someone had a big boner for the P-51 and the P-38 and <laughs> did some minor modifications to both, and that's what we're flying around in in this game. Well, you know, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. So uh, It's airplanes. Who gives a shit? It's airplanes and who gives a shit, right, John? Yeah, that's certainly what, that's anyone me. here is obsessive about airplanes. Yep. <laughs> It's just some planes. Who cares? Who would even know what they were? I think the only thing about all the airplanes you can choose from in this game that pisses me off is the Russian two-engine one that's like designed to be amphibious and land on water, even though it has wings that point down, which means they would hit the water every time you fly into it and just flip your fucking plane over. Ah! But no, no, that won't happen. Don't worry about it. <sighs> all right, so uh, moving on from that, because that's, that's not very interesting to anybody. <laughs> Let's just be known that, all, that of the four or five major countries in the game, not counting the U.S., they have a light airplane, a heavy airplane, and a big airshipy blimp yeah. uh, that you get to choose from when you're building out your starting characters, even though the NPC group has their own custom airship with all kinds of cool weapons and fun shit all over it. Well, yeah. I love that nonsense. When they're like, what is the NPC the NPCs flying around in? Oh, a super cool ship you can't have. There's no rules for it. Yeah, well. What does it do? Oh, all, uh, amazing shit. All Whatever kinds the of, fuck they want. A cool, amazing shit. They can fit the exact right amount of guys on it, which is, for some reason, this game... The, the uh, sample game has like 11 PCs in it. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's weird to me if only because I'm like, how the fuck did these guys get this? You'd think most of the giant fuck you airships are coming from, you know, militaries. They are. And if you, when you look at them, when you look at like the, the British airship, it's like this thing has 18 officers and 196 crew members. Oh yeah, like, that's not that's not what these the NPC guys are flying around in. Oh no, they have their own little blimp that seats twelve and has eleven passenger people on it. Oh yeah, there's the uh, the crazy one is the Italian one, which is the Flying Fortress. Yeah, which is just a like an aircraft carrier that flies. Yeah, no, it has a crew of like three thousand. Yeah, it's it's real silly. It, the, if there's one thing the game is missing, it's stats for the mid range blimp that a party would operate out of. They keep giving you examples of one. They have a whole cool comic set on one, and then there's no rules for them. Yeah, I, and the thing is, a lot of the flight rules, they're like, oh yeah, if you're doing anything and you are on one of those like medium ships, mm. only one person is, do- is doing any of the flight rules. Most of them are there for dogfighting, but if you're like, I'm piloting this blimp, all right, well, that pilot is doing stuff, and everyone else on the blimp isn't. And to be fair, he's what he's doing is mostly nothing. Like, he has to be there, because someone needs to be piloting the blimp. But the blimps can't shoot at moving targets. They can only shoot at other blimps or the ground. Yeah. So it, he's basically one player has to be like, I'm not in the fight. Or he's like the, the DMPC or something. Well, yeah, he's just there to go like, ah, I move forward. I fight uh, the blimp, because, like, literally the rules for blimps in, in dogfighting combat is blimps count as stationary. Ah, blimps and airships count as stationary because they cannot move in a way that matters to other airplanes. Yeah, comparably speaking, it doesn't matter how fast you're going because you aren't going fast enough. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, I like that concept, but it means that if you're the blimp pilot during the game, you're like, uh, Ugh. I can't shoot unless another blimp shows up and it's right in front of me. Oh, did another blimp show up right in front of me? Yay, I can shoot it. Yay. Oh, shit, that means it can shoot me. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, but there's rules that are very similar to the combat rules. Uh, notably, thing, a big thing about the combat rules of this book is that a lot of it is about shoving people up and down the initiative chart. Yeah, there's a lot of weird initiative shenanigans, which, again, is just aching to bog down combat even more. The one nice thing about it is that at least the initiative order is static and you don't start a new initiative chart until everyone's gone. So you can't just constantly force someone down the initiative order and stun lock them out of combat. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a ben- You can push people to the bottom of the chart, but you have to go to the bottom of the chart before you can take another action. Yeah. 
the, with the single exceptions of anyone who uses fist fighting or I think the other one was like small axes or something. We're both, uh, when you swing at someone and you get a crit success, you get another a- a swing at the bottom of the initiative order. Yeah. Uh, so there are ways to get extra attacks in, in as well. Um, airplanes have their own set of combat rules about disengaging and getting behind people and whether or not you are in pursuit. Yep. Uh, which... Actually, they took a lot of cool old airplane terms and and came up with creative ways to incorporate them within a fairly simple rule structure. So, for example, if you do a uh, an emelman or, a, or I'm sorry, a split S, then uh, you dodge, you disengage and dodge an attack that's being shot against you. It's it's just uh, it, it briefly describes what a split S actually is, and then it tells you what it does in game terms, which is something entirely different. But at least it's <laughs> but at least it's incorporating cool old airplane words. And I didn't hate that. Yeah, it's got a Melmans and split S's and a few other old school. They didn't have yo-yos, which I was I was surprised not to see. Yeah, that's weird. And they didn't have hula hoops. <laughs> yeah, no skippets. John gets so mad when I talk about airplane <laughs> stuff. It's 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 amazing. This is your revenge for uh, look, for uh, for doing on camera or on mic research against me. <laughs> uh, that's fine. That's fine. I'll just keep looking stuff up. <laughs> it's just John will no longer contribute to the episode. He will only call me out for being wrong about yeah, things. Yeah, I'll be like, "Here, you describe everything and then I'll tell you how you fucked up." <laughs> so, anyway, uh after a, a not terrible but definitely a little boggy combat section, we get into the world. Yeah, the world was interesting to me because like I had said at the beginning of this, it doesn't just be like, "Oh, it's, it's World War 1." It just, it is. I, I was expecting it to just be, oh, World War One never stopped. Go Move on. I expected the, it to just be, it was World War One, and it happened exactly like World War One did, except there were animals. Yeah. Oh, Archduke Gavrilo Princip, a frog, was murdered. Yeah. You're like, great, thanks. Okay. Meanwhile, the Kaiser, a bear, was, was watching things with trepidation. Yeah. I mean, you do have the, the Kaiser Mar- was there. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing for this is the, like, World War One started just mm-hmm. about the same as in our world. Yeah. But then the fact that but right around that time we had, like, in this world they have a bunch of, like, weird airships and stuff like that. It fucked up what actually happens. Yes. Well, so, so basically... This book purports itself to be diesel punk, and there's a little section at the beginning of the book where they explain what diesel punk is. Diesel punk is aerodynamics don't matter, big fat engines matter, uh, which is fine. It's it's an interesting aesthetic choice. It's not a big deal, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but it always needs. It's just like steampunk, where you need a reason for why steam engines can be a thing without having to be ugly and huge. Yeah. And they're always like, well, someone invented water that can boil forever. Or, and generate infinite steam. And in this case, it's it's the most common one of all of those, which is floating rocks. Yeah, it was... Virilium. Look, yeah, virilium exists, and it's a metal that is not quite lighter than air, but it's like you can work it to the point where it is. Yeah, when it's refined, it becomes lighter than air, and it becomes even more lighter than air if you run an electrical charge through it. Yeah. Uh, so it can, it basically is the thing that airships are just made out of that stuff. And then they fly whether or not they have gas bags, but they put gas bags on them anyway. Well, yeah, because they'll make it so that it's like, oh, it's a steel beryllium alloy. And that way we can make our ships super light. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, there are a few like the, uh, the flying fortresses and a few other things 
that are made out of just beryllium that run current through the to yeah. lift it. Yeah. But most There's also of them an are, island that works that way. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which well, was great. The fucking czar of Russia is just flying around on his goddamn palace. Yeah, he's that's one of the best alternate history stories in here. The the czar of Russia is a bear who thinks that he's still the czar of, of Russia, but he's not. Uh, basically, Russia's split into five factions, and they kind of pay deference to him, but don't do anything he tells them to, because he never lands, so he never checks. Yeah, so, I mean, you have the czarists that are in Russia, and they're mostly just doing what they assume the czar would like. Yeah, they all say, like, in they're working in holding for the czar. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, all we need to do is take the entire country back, and once we're in charge... Then the czar will come down from his flying sky palace. But in the meantime, he flies back and forth over Russia in dreams of glory. So that's what the czar is up to. Malta is one of my favorite new places because, like I was saying, one of the two islands of Malta, uh, Goro, I want to say, was uh, rigged with beryllium all over it. And then they ran a charge through the island, and now the whole island is flying. And it's connected by chains to the other big island on Malta. Uh, and and it's a big old pirate hive where where sky pirates fly in and out of like the bottom of the island. Yeah. So that's some rad fucking like uh, tailspin shit. Which let's be clear here, this is the tailspin role playing game. Like, Pretty much. I mean, it's the golden age. It's the mid thirties. It's definitely the golden age of aviation. Everyone's an animal. No one really talks about that aspect of it. There is almost definitely an island dock somewhere where an orangutan runs a fun bar. You are one hundred percent guaranteed that that exists here. Yes. Yeah. So this is this is a hundred percent the tailspin role playing game. Yeah. The um, uh, the rest of Europe got real fucked up by World War One. Yeah, so France did the Germany thing, and it split into a liberal half and an even eviler half. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, the fascist half. There's a the northern France is all fascists, and the south of France is all liberals. L- libertines. They are fucking lustily. <laughs> Yeah, they are uh, all about that liberté and fraternité and 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 fuckité. Yeah, that fuckité. Yeah, they fuck li- they fuck like libertines down there. We're we're up in the north. They fuck industriously. <laughs> ah, yes, industrial fucking. <laughs> My favorite music. It's mostly typo negative. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so <laughs> uh, England became the hegemony. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, England, which is basically just even England a year. Oh, yeah, it was England, but they really leaned into that whole colonizing thing. Yeah, and, and treating every other country with, with sort of barely controlled disdain. Yeah. And they have concrete upper lips. <laughs> and uh, they still control all of Ireland, but mostly it's because they just have giant airships that will fucking firebomb. Like, they mm-hmm. they firebombed, like, Dublin. Yes, just to keep it under control. So if you play as the Irish, then you're, as an Irish person, then you're you're probably a freedom fighter of some kind. Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, the reason you're playing as all these people anyway is because there's a huge mercenary culture all over Europe now. A lot of the smaller countries use entirely mercenary armies. Yeah, like so much got wasted during the war because no one could really, you know, move or get the lines pushed at all. But so much got spent on it, and it went on for l- way longer in this world than it did in ours. Yes. So there are places where the war didn't really end so much as just peter out. Yeah. They're like, like, man, it's not even like the war ended. It's the soldiers that were there finally decided, fuck it, we're going home. Yeah. Like uh, notably Northern and Southern France are now two entirely different countries, but they eventually just got tired of not being able to move on each other. And they sort of normalized relationships. And now they build airplanes together. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, they're split right along the uh, the north and south on that Maginot line. The actual Maginot. Like, it's literally Vichy is still the place where, where you're allowed to cross between the two countries. Yep. Uh, so there are a few po- uh, points where they're like, ah, actual history. Mm. Ah. And then th- they d- differ wildly in other places in other ways. Uh, the, like, for <laughs> yeah. example, how Malta is half flying now. Yeah, Churchill just doesn't exist in yeah. this. Stalin isn't around. Instead, you get Comstock, who's a, a badger. Uh, each each world gets its own little cultural guy who's the equivalent. You're you're not Churchill. You're not Stalin. Not Stalin was some sort of falcon, I want to say. Maybe. Because uh, the, the, you have the czar, who's a bear. Yeah. And then the falcon guy is the uh, the person who's like got the real czar, uh, uh, Stalin power. Uh, he's the one that I was pointing out earlier had a weird name because his species is Leonora's falcon. And I was like, I know that's a real kind of falcon. But in a universe where Leonora's falcons are intelligent, who named them that? Who the <laughs> fuck is Leonora? Uh, there was uh, some country that they originally all came from. That was Leonora. This is like when you found that Alterac Swiss cheese in World of Warcraft. You're like, wait, this means that Swiss Switzerland exists. <laughs> this is this is a guarantee that Switzerland is a thing because that's what Swiss stands for in cheese. Nah, see, in in the World of War- Warcraft, Swiss just means full of holes. Full of holes. <laughs> It'd be nice if they actually went ahead and did that. And they are like, it- oh, my cloth is all Swiss now. <laughs> Look at these sponges I found underwater. They're Swiss, I think. <laughs> Speaking of which, Switzerland exists in this game. It is entirely neutral, and it defends itself with a huge army of airships. Yep. I mean, everyone defends themselves with a huge army of airships. That's basically what the game is. Yeah, and every country still exists. No one was completely overrun and bombarded into nothingness and taken over completely. So every little tiny shit country in the Balkans is still there, and they're just like, Arr, we're fiercely independent, and we have an airship. And yeah. we're pirates, apparently. Arr. We're <laughs> well, pirates on the Balkans. It's mostly that they're like, well, we employ pirates because we don't really have a good standing army. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, if someone wants to fuck with us, we'll pay mercenaries to go do it. Because there are so many soldiers after the Great War ended that don't have anything to do now. Yeah, literally a lot of countries keep a private army of mercenaries employed specifically so that the private army of mercenaries doesn't become a full army of pirates and raid the countryside. Yeah. So uh, so that's that's what you are. That's what you play. Now, real quick, before we finish this up, we never talked about the Axis system, and we kind of have to. The XP in this game is... Rigged into the alignment system somehow. It is bonkers. You have goals that you are working towards. There are eight different goals that you can have. You pick four of them. Mm -hmm. And those are going to be your various axes on a... Compass. uh, On a compass. A goddamn compass with eight points. North, northwest, northeast... South, south, now, now, south, south, you know, south, 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 now, south, dirty south. (laughs) Yeah. Hot Lanta. (laughs) So you know how these work, but the true north is your number one primary goal. Like, and and the way that they work, the goals are things like, uh, what is it? Protection to power, uh, selflessness to greed. Yeah. So it's, it's two different sides of whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. And you can go to either direction and and it's not like it's bad because yeah, if, like, it might be uh, survival versus... Uh, Heroism or something well, like that. It's sur- survival versus basically gaining more. So it'd be the same... It'd be the difference of, I'm a refugee just trying to survive, or I'm someone that owns a business and wants it to grow. Fair enough. So each one of them is two opposite ends of a thing. You choose which end you are trying to grow towards, and you put that on the north half of the compass. 
Uh, the one that's the, the the one that's the least important to you goes on the east west axis because you're barely moving along on that. Then on the inside of the spot of the compass is a spiral of dots that you follow by achieving in game goals as you move towards your various goals. Yeah. So if I end a session and I was like, oh, I really moved towards my goal of gaining more money. Like that's mm-hmm. a goal I have for my character. You fill in a little dot or something. Yeah. I put that bubble up, and if you hit certain breakpoints, which are the circles around it then you get a bonus. So yeah. it'll be things like, oh, you can get another animal ability, or you can get a point in an attribute, or something like you that. You can have some money. Yeah, most of it is uh, like just little mechanical benefits. Yeah. But instead of buying things with XP, you just sort of unlock bonuses as you go. Mm-hmm. And when you finish out one of them, you're like, oh, I hit, you know, eight is as far as it goes. I hit number eight on my my compass. Uh, you can trade that out if you want to. Yeah, You'd be like, you I'm start, no longer working towards that. Yeah, you can push towards a new goal because you hit your goal. Yeah. Uh, it, it in theory it looks interesting and it's got some some good ideas for alignment structure that definitely isn't just you're good or you're evil or you're chaotic. Yeah, it's it's goal based rather yeah. than this is what I am. Uh, I don't know about in practice 100, percent but just on observation, it's like there are too many goals for your character to be keeping track of. Yeah, it. I mean, the problem is when you look at something like uh, the the one that I mentioned, like, oh, I'm a refugee just trying to survive. Yeah, and you don't have Let's, to live like a refugee. No, you don't. No, baby. You also don't have to turn on that red light. Yeah. Uh, In fact, you don't even have to come around here no more. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Tom Petty songs. <laughs> and whatever the fuck you did. I did Roxanne. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. By oh. Tom Petty. Yeah, Tom Petty's Roxanne. Yeah, famous song. Yeah, I did the Roxanne song, Tom Petty. <laughs> uh, he's a weird little man, <laughs> probably from Florida, and I think he's dead now. He's Tom Petty. So the problem with that is if you're on that thing and you're like, oh, my true north is survival because mm-hmm. I'm trying to you know, get away from a war-torn area, whatever. Yeah. If you are a PC and you then are like, oh, I joined this fucking like pirate gang and then we raided someone and we've got a lot of money, survival really isn't a goal for you anymore. You're like, oh, I'm I'm actually fine now. I guess I guess I don't care about this. No, it's cool. There are wolves after you. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. the, because the local tax collectors are I was wolves. gonna I was gonna say the <laughs> was that a rival gang? Yes, the wolves. They call themselves that. There are no wolves in the gang. They just call themselves the wolves. <laughs> yeah. They're all girls, too, so they call themselves the Lady Wolves, which, honestly, deeply sexist. I wish people would stop doing that. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's there was another gang of just all lady birds, the Lady Hawks, that were after them. And <laughs> Can I tell you, one of the things that made me grumpy about the Germans in this being pigs is that, that they should have been wolves. I mean, if there's any race associated with you got turkey vultures, yeah, because that was the Nazi party's animal. But also, the she-wolves of the SS. <laughs> Give me that nonsense. Although, let's be clear here, there's not a lot of national socialism in this story. The Germans are like... Oh, no. The fascism stuff is basically split between northern France and Britain. Yeah. Germany... Britain has their, like, the the whole blitz thing is their thing now. Yeah. So, like, oh, yeah, we've got this whole lightning war that we do. Yeah. The Germans instead have the Luft Navy or something like that. I forget what they called it. Yeah, uh, where they they have like an air navy that they're very proud of, but they use it for defense still, and they aren't they aren't as dangerous as as they would be in in the late in the mid thirties for if you were Germany. Oh yeah, no, they they are very far away from being Nazis. Yeah, You've, your your basic Nazis are the hegemony or northern France. Yeah, so uh, that's which is 
a little sketchy. <laughs> it's weird, but whatever. All right, well, so uh, I think we probably have talked about all of the core concepts that we really need to get into on this thing. John, do you want to tell me what your favorite thing about this game is? Sure, why not? Uh, I'm going to say that my favorite thing about this is that they actually made animals matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming off of... But do all animals matter, John? Yes, all of them. Okay. They do. Yeah. The uh, the weird thing for like great and small. furry pirates where it didn't matter. No, if, if, unless you were a bird, you could get the fuck out. Yeah, it was literally just you were a bird or who gives a fuck. Yeah. The, the fact that there are different weird... And like it says in there, there are stereotypes for things. Like you could be a pig and everyone would think, oh, this guy eats a lot. And you might not. It's just a stereotype that exists. And like you'll have to deal with stereotypes of nationality and race and things like that. Mm-hmm. And whether you play to them or against them is up to you. And what animal you are really informs how you deal with the world. And I really liked that in a game that deals with furry stuff. Yeah. So I'm a what, nine- is, what is your favorite thing? I like the the deep lack of focus on America. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, the book's entirely Eurocentric, uh, like to the point where I don't even think Asia is mentioned. No, you get a bare mention of Africa. Yeah, because North in Africa. That, you, like Italy and whatnot are down there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, notably, the, the little things that they mention in the margins about what's going on in America are fucking bonkers. Uh, they're like, America is ruled by scientist politicians. It's Tesla and Edison. They've teamed up. Yeah, Tesla and Edison. They've become the ACDC just, brothers. Just became the best of friends. And then all of America decided, you know what's rad? Science. We've got science leaders now, and yeah. all of our politicians are scientists. Anytime they're like, you know who's got the biggest fucking airships? It's Italy. Italy's airships are fucking enormous. Also America. <laughs> well, America, we don't know anything about them. They've definitely got death rays, though. Yeah, they de- sold the shittiest ones to England, mm-hmm. and England's like, yeah, look at these giant death rays we have. And America's like, oh, that's our shitty prototypes from like 30 years ago. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, so America's... This book is very centric to where it should be, and it doesn't have to have a big rah-rah section about how great America is in this time period. Instead, in, in America is inscrutable super scientists that no one deals with yet. Yeah, they uh, they um, seem like the weird, uh, almost what you would get in like Orientalist things of like, oh, it's a mysterious land and no one knows what's going on there. Now, speaking of Orientalism, the fact that America takes that spot means that China and Japan and what have you are not even mentioned in here. Oh, no. And you'd think that China would probably be paying a lot of attention to the ridiculous airship fight happening on the same continent. Yeah. You'd think they'd be like, hey, guys. (laughs) So uh, we need to get prepped for this, don't we? Hey, how's it going? Instead, they're just not there, which is a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. But anyway, that's... That's a, that's a topic for another section of discussion. John, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this book? Uh, least favorite thing about this has got to actually be the combat system. Mm, a little, little too much? It bogs down so much. The, the modifier, the dice modifier's 2% was already kind of a little much for skills. I'm like, you know, give me a, a roll. And the fact that each skill itself has its own basic thing, and depending on which sub-skill, it might change difficulty or change stats. I think one of the things we talked about back when we did Great War of Magellan is that if there's too much stuff labeled into your labeled into your skill, then you pretty much need to write it all down, and it, it, there needs to be a more universal system so you don't have to have every skill written down completely, so you don't have to go look at each skill individually when you're trying to do things. Yeah, I. but I think combat especially is the one where I take umbrage with it because it's just every single attack you do is 
this back and forth bidding thing and then you finally complete it and then you have to roll and see what your damage is and then what their armor takes off and then you're like okay finally did my damage here we go all right let's do this oh, all over oh again. wait it's not your turn because i shoved you down on the initiative order oh hold on i've got to erase this let me put you down there all yeah. right here we go i mean it mentions uh, one of my favorite things it does in here is it mentions that you should do initiative in this game by by every player having a little thing they keep with them uh, that they like little you know oh yeah you get like a little stand in for yeah, your character like, you know use a coin or a die or a bottle cap or a shark's tooth or whatever it is you have laying around yeah you know all them shark's teeth I got laying around I do I have a shark's tooth laying around because I used to when I was like in high school I had a shark tooth necklace because I thought I was super cool in that yeah because you were one of those guys I was one of those guys I was it, well the shark tooth necklace was just one more excuse to take my shirt off yeah. Uh, but uh, but nowadays I still have the fucking thing and I'm like I'm not wearing that so I do I have a spare shark tooth <laughs> good. It's right there next to my puka shell necklace I'm never going to wear. <laughs> you douche. <laughs> in my defense, Sean, I played a lot of riffs in high school, too. I was just a hot nerd. <laughs> a big, hot mess of a nerd. Yeah, so, so you know, it's fine. Now I'm down here in the muck with you. Yes, join me. Yeah, I like to Roll eat around and rest. Roll around <laughs> You have 45 pounds of lettuce for a bro? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hi, guy. You got lettuce? I used to be a sea lion, and now I'm one of you. <laughs> we <laughs> Let's float and talk. <laughs> oh, no, I hit something. Boing. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. My least favorite thing about this book, though. Yeah, your least favorite thing. Uh, the imbalance of power among the, the perks and the animal abilities. That's uh, fair. It, it, it means that if you really want to pick a... a you end up picking uh, your animal race about half by the power it gives you and half by your character concept. And I would prefer that that would be a lot more by the, your character concept. Because when you're reading through, if you're like, I want to play as a rabbit. What's my uh, what's my racial power? Fucking fast. Oh, okay. Gonna, <laughs> I'll pass on that. I'm going to play as... <laughs> I, like, I like that it's not having a lot of kids. It's just that you fuck fast. Fuck so fast. <laughs> you're just in and out real quick. Done. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't even remember what the rabbit one is. I guarantee you, it's actually like leap or something. I'm sure. But but you know, it, it, if you're reading through one, you're like, this isn't interesting to me. But unfortunately, it's the only thing that's special about this race or this species. Well, I mean, the I think the unique one for rabbit is thumping. That's and right. You can it is communicate thumping. with people by hitting the ground. So wait, do rabbits have like soul like uh, dominion over Morse code? Yeah, pretty much. Because I could just use Klieg lights or something and skip that entire thing. Yeah, but Whatever. like I could thump the ground, and then someone who was standing on it would be like, "Ooh, I can feel vibrations, oh, and I know what they want me to do." You know who can't do that is anyone who isn't rabbits. Even even things that have rabbitish legs can't do it. <laughs> like frogs, frogs can't do it. No, frogs don't. You've never seen a frog go thumping. <laughs> it's because you never give them a chance, John. I ain't take no frog on my thumping trips. <laughs> frog too busy being assassinated. <laughs> Goddamn Ferdinand Frog. <laughs> It's, Arch- it's like Ferdinand assassinated the Archduck Ga- Gavrilo Princip. <laughs> uh, mm, verily, quack. <laughs> He's the only furry in the world that talks entirely in duck language. Everyone else is watching him like, oh, he's quite inbred. <laughs> oh, no, he's trapped in a world he never made. Oh, I'm so in love with that character. He's basically got the the furry world equivalent of Habsburg jaw. He's he's got too much duck in his bloodline. Uh, yep. Well, I'm real excited for you to make the arch duck. <laughs> that might be what I make. Uh, John, would you play this? Uh, 
I would give it a shot. Like, if this was a game that someone came up to me and said, hey, I want to play this, I'd probably fuck around with it for a bit. I'd be like, yeah, cool. I want to make, like, an alligator guy. And he's like, yeah, let's make stuff. And then he... He does death rolls. Yeah. And he makes sushi, and he calls them death rolls. Their bonus ability, I believe, is scutes. Scutes? And that's uh, the big old knobbly armor spike plates that are on your standard American alligator. They have them uh, big old spikities. They're called scutes. Scutes? Yeah. So uh, so alligators actually didn't look all that terrible. They're a little scuty. Yeah. <laughs> they got little scooters. They call them scutes. They got scutes. <laughs> hey, guys. We got a scutes down to the mall. <laughs> That's alligators for you. Mall culture. <laughs> alligators. Big into the mall. Yeah. Huge mall gators. <laughs> I'm going to go on down and death roll Forever 21 for a while. Uh, I'm just going to go lie motionless on the ice rink. Ooh, that sounds good. Ooh. Maybe I'll make a loud hiss noise. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have this... My girlfriend, this bird, come clean the mites out of my tongue or whatever. You got it, babies. Ooh, babies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, would you play this game? <laughs> sure. Actually, yeah. this is kind of fun and interesting. I like airplanes a lot, so I'm always on board for an airplane-themed game. I mean, like we were saying, the combat system seems a little boggy, but ultimately it might be something where you could get into it. Yeah, I do feel like probably eventually, once you've memorized the difficulty charts, Yeah. And and the crits crit values. Yeah. Once you know the ranges for everything, you're like, okay, this will move slightly faster. Yeah. But eh. Yeah. Uh, no mention, by the way, made of positioning or grids or anything like that. It's a pure theater of the mind game. In case you were curious, it's also relatively new. This game's from 2012. Yeah. Yeah. For for us, that's a new game. Uh, so there you go, uh, John. You got anything else you want to say about uh, Wild Skies Europa Tempest? Just that, man, putting Europa Tempest on the bottom made it really seem like this was a source book. Yeah, we didn't do this book for a few months after we got it because we were worried that there might be a real Wild Skies book out there and, and we had been sent a source book instead. Yeah, I was like, Wild Skies Europa Tempest? Oh, but where's the Wild Skies main book? Yeah, the one about America. <laughs> yeah, you know. Try and stop us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, no, uh, I think I think that's about it. Other than uh, the standard plugs... Oh, we got to do the plug bag, huh? Yeah, we got to do that pu- butt plug. <laughs> do our butt plugs. We got to get them flared bases. <laughs> Let's talk to our fared ba- flared base of listeners. <laughs> listeners, the safe word today is patreon.com slash system mastery. Patreon.com slash system mastery. Ah! No, that's if it's the word of the day. Oh, okay. The secret word of the day. <laughs> what, what did, you, did you just call it the secret word? No, it was the safe word of the day. That it was, was, that was, was Pee Wee's Playhouse. You're right. I'm sorry. I've forgotten how it was <laughs> that called. That was Pee Wee's quotes playhouse <laughs> oh no lawrence fishburne said the safe word of the day <laughs> well, now we've got to stop shoving things in his butt sorry <laughs> cowboy curtis <laughs> i need my guns back <laughs> <laughs> oh this this took a real weird dark turn i'm so, sorry so patreon.com slash system mastery is the greatest place to go if you like hearing content about uh, Lawrence Fishburne's early work as Cowboy Curtis on the Pee Wee's Playhouse television show having his gun shoved up his butt. Uh, that, in <laughs> fact, I think it's the only place to go for that. So uh, if you like that, then swing on by our Patreon and support us uh, at any level at all. You get bonus content for System Mastery, where we make bonus shows where we make the characters in the game that we just reviewed. So we're going to go make a couple of animal sky pirates pretty soon here. Uh if you like us a lot, then you might want to support us at the $2 level, which unlocks all of our bonus content, including the many, many episodes of 
expound, expanded expounded universe, the expounded universe Star Wars bonus content podcast experience time, where we uh, make bonus characters. Nope, we don't. <laughs> 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 Your difficulty with expanded universe stuff is great. It's entirely on purpose, by the way. <laughs> yes, that's that's what it is. That's exactly right. Nothing nothing confusing about my addiction. You just gotta I, lean into it. Just, uh. I'm tacking into the wind here, John. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we go on Wikipedia, find ridiculous things to talk about, and then talk about them at hilarious length. Last week's episode was on jizz. I don't know if we're ever going to get anything that good again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to top jizz. <laughs> I think jizz is pretty much where we both want to be all the time. I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm pretty sure jizz is is definitely the top. Everything is going to come down from jizz. <laughs> it's a trickle down, a little trickle from jizz. All right, anyway, uh, like I said, bonus content for two different shows at the $2 level. There's all kinds of other levels you can also support us at, especially if you're Ray Liotta. Uh, head on down to patreon.com slash systemmastery to, uh, to get extra content and to help keep us from being unemployed. I mean, we actually I are mean, unemployed, I mean, technically, this is, on paper. Yeah. But, but this is paying our rent, so okay. please help us do that. Yeah, nobody narc to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Uh, also, you can set, you can contact us as System Master on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, or Reddit. Uh, we all, all we also have our own website, SystemMasteryPodcast dot com. Go to T Public, buy our T shirts. They're old and they're funny. Yeah, you can uh, do anything. Yeah, you can, so many plugs. You, you can, can you can do anything you want. Yeah, also, we're over like ZomboCom. Yeah, sure. You can go to Rotten dot com. Uh, look at some gross like cut in half corpses or something if that still exists. I don't know. Maybe don't know, maybe go to E Bombs World. I hear they have. A, wide a lot of other of, people's content. A lot of other people's content. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, go play some flash games on newground.ua.gov. <laughs> I don't yeah. know about that. That's, Good. That's a thing. So, uh, you know, just support us and all those other things we mentioned. Yeah, please don't support those other things we mentioned. <laughs> please send a $5 check to rotten.com. Care of. <laughs> please keep showing me car accident victims. <laughs> Thank it's you. 1998, and I need my fix. I'm I'm a weird kid on the internet, and it's 1998. <laughs> so, uh, once again, thanks so much for listening, uh, and have a good week. Maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Don't go to Rotten.com, though. Yeah, that, then you won't have a good week. No, you'll have a shitty week. You'll be like, ew, that guy lost most of his face in a motorcycle accident, but he was alive. Ugh. Ugh. Man, why did I open that page? Yeah.